Welcome, listeners, and thank you for tuning in to the second episode of Leadership in Business, a podcast recorded and produced by the Human Resources Student Association at Indiana University Kokomo. Your hosts today are myself, Eric Wilhite, alongside Jenna Harrison. Our guest of the day is Dave Du Bois, former executive director of the Kokomo Family YMCA and now realtor for the Wyman Group. Dave, could you please start by giving us a summary of your experience? Sure. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me, first of all. Um, Dave Dubois, I spent 18 and a half years here in Kokomo as the CEO of the YMCA. Spent uh, eight and a half years prior to that as a branch executive director of the YMCA of Pittsburgh, uh, East Suburban Branch, and a year prior to that in Pittsburgh as a program director of that same branch. Prior to that, I spent... uh, six years in Gadsden, Alabama. Started my Y career there as an aquatic director first and then as a program director. So spent uh, almost 34 years with the Y in total and I retired uh, young uh, about two and a half years ago. And Dave, I'm sure during this extensive career of yours you've faced many challenges. What's the biggest relational challenge you've faced and what leadership lessons did you learn from that challenge? Hmm. Oh, man, relational challenges uh, happen all the time. They happen, it's a daily thing. Uh, I, my style of leadership during my career was very relational uh, leadership, and uh, people were important to me, and uh, making sure that people um, were motivated to do their work well, but uh, they were motivated out of uh, incentive to do well and belief in a cause, and those kinds of things was far more important and, quite frankly, in my opinion, far more um, successful than people who were motivated because they had to do something uh, or motivated out of fear, if you will. Uh, I just was never that guy. So every day is a relational (laughs) challenge. Um, And as I grew in my career, it got more and more so. I Man, there are um, a lot of experiences that I had that, that I would assume you would consider to be relationally challenged. I, I mean, um, almost everything that, when I was training up leaders, for example, it's one of the important things to me in leadership is raising up other leaders around you. Uh, as their leadership grows with your leadership, then leadership is cumulative, it isn't like individual. You're not only as good as the best leader in your organization, but it's a cumulative effect. So as you raise up other leaders and your your ability as an organization or an institution or a company increases. Um, so in trying to raise up some leaders, uh, there were several opportunities as I trained some folks up in ways that they could uh, improve their leadership. One of the challenging ones that I had was uh, having a couple of my uh, key staff leaders who I was, again, trying to build into in leadership fashion uh, accompany me or, or, or be with me uh, as we unfortunately had to do a termination of another employee. And um, they hadn't been involved in that process very often. I always believed that two people needed to be in on a termination anyways um, so that you'd have folks who were there and experienced and witnessed it with you. And uh, just that process was, let's just say it went sideways a little bit um, during the process of it. And it was a very, very valuable lesson for me as well as for them without getting into too terribly many specifics about 
why that was so. Um, they learned some valuable lessons about as a leader when you make a decision, make sure that you're making good decisions and through experience and time you're going to make them and then once you make it, execute it. And uh, we learned some very valuable lessons in that because, uh, because just the way it played out. So, and, and I like how you talk about raising up leaders uh, or people that aren't even, they may not be leaders, but you can raise them up to be a leader because it brings the organization up as a whole. Have you ever had to deal with leaders trying to shun employees and not give them more responsibility because they don't want them to outpace uh, themselves and take over their position? Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> it's a human tendency. I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's a reality. We all... We all think of a job, you know, what's the old adage is, is that if you want a job done, do it yourself. If you want a job done right, do it yourself. And that's, that's something that's a natural inclination that I think yeah. we all fight against. Again, I think one of the greatest um, challenges that you have in leadership, one of many challenges that you have in leadership, is outgrowing that belief that you're the only one who can do it right. And even... I, I used to share with my staff that I'm going to allow you to fail. I don't want you to fail, but I'm going to allow you to fail because it's through failure that you learn how to do things correctly. And so as long as they weren't putting themselves or their departments or their organization or the why in jeopardy, then failure is not a negative. In fact, I think it's an absolutely necessary ingredient of success in the long haul. So I also happen to believe that everybody's a leader. Everybody has some leadership capability. Leadership, again, you've, you've probably heard me say this, Eric, uh, before, that I believe that leadership is influence. Uh, John Maxwell, one of my favorite leadership uh, authors, says leadership is influence, nothing more and nothing less. And that's a fact. It's true. So I believe everybody on the team has abilities to lead. Recognizing those abilities is, is another skill of a leader, recognizing le people's level of leadership and, and then raising them up in that is, is, um, is important. Tacking on to what you said, um, when you were talking about leadership being cumulative, mm -hmm. that, was, that really stuck out to me. It also made me think leadership is not necessarily linear either. That's correct. Um, because obviously learning from your mistakes, like you said, makes you a better leader. Acknowledging that you've made a mistake and working with your team members to move on from that makes you a better leader, I think. so. No, you're absolutely right. It's interesting because I started thinking about leadership when I, when I was in college. Right. Um, I mean, I really started thinking about leadership. I was an athlete in college, um, and I know it doesn't look like it now, but I was a, <laughs> I was a swimmer. And, uh, and I can remember being in the pool, literally on days we were in the pool, and looking at my coach and watching my coach and listening to my coach, who I loved, by the way, one of my favorite people, my college coach. And there were times when I would look and listen and see how he treated his athletes. And I would say, that's something I'm going to replicate someday when I have people who are under my command, my authority, if you will. And there were other days when I looked and I said, that, mm -mm -mm -mm, no, I don't, that I don't want to. So again, beginning there, and then, as you, again, as you fail in leadership, and you're going to fail in leadership, or you're not going to go anywhere. It's really that simple. You can not fail in leadership, but you're never going to move. 
Right. I mean, I, I believe that, genuinely. Right. And it's like it's almost like a child watching their parent mm-hmm. when they're younger. They're mm-hmm. like sponges, you know? Exactly. They soak it all up, mm-hmm. and then they learn the right from wrong from other leaders. So That's true. And again, it's, it's true when you're in a leadership role in an organization as well, Absolutely. knowing that your young leaders or your new leaders, not necessarily young all the time, but new leaders, are looking to you. Yep, and even, even when you don't realize they're looking to you, they are looking to you. So the second question I want to ask you today, um, on the opposite side of the spectrum for the, from the first question we asked you, um, how have your relationships with your team members um, and really overall just members of the community, how have those relationships contributed to the expansion of your leadership skills? I, again, I, I go back to um, when you're a relational leader, everything that you – Leadership is not, again, I'm of the mindset that everybody's a leader. Everybody who worked for me was a leader. Uh, Some of us had bigger roles. Some of us had larger responsibilities. Uh, Some of us had more people that reported to us, more dollar, you know, responsibilities that we had, whatever the case might be. But leadership is a two-way street, too, so I was constantly learning from uh, from my leaders. A specific example that was very stark to me, because it was near... Heck, I hate to say this, but it was in the last seven or eight, nine years of my career when um, when I when one of my leaders who I was raising up taught me a very, very, very valuable lesson that I was ashamed I didn't learn earlier, and that is as I was as I was leading. This goes back to kind of that um, we you know we think if a job's going to be done right, we do it ourselves. In the same way, I spent much of my career, unfortunately sizing up other leaders by how similar to me they were. Yeah, I okay, think that's so, really common too. So yeah, it's very common. It's a very normal human emotion. But I would, I, I had a specific leader who was very much different than me. So it was easy for me to look at that person and think to myself, I'm not so sure they have what it takes to be a great leader. And through developing, working with the, that person to, to develop their leadership I came to the realization that I had failed this person in in some regards because I shortchanged them. And what I realized was they had gifts that I didn't have, and they had some strengths where I was weak, and I had some strengths where they were weak, and this is how it's cumulative. Okay, it's it also Again, for me, I'm a, I'm a faith guy, too, so it also goes back to biblical principles, too. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't all be an eye, we can't all be an ear, we can't all see, but, but again, together, we, we're a body, and it's yeah. the same thing in leadership, organizational leadership. That, so what I came to understand through this particular person, and, and they know it, because I've shared this with them as a, as a leadership lesson that I learned, is that it takes a lot of different kinds of people to make that cumulative growth even more. Our capabilities as an organization, when I came to that realization, increased significantly because yeah. all of a sudden I was plugging weaknesses and I was looking at everybody going, where are you strong? Where are you, exactly. you know, where Diversity. am I weak and where do I need somebody that fits this weakness that I have? Right. Diversity so, mm-hmm. is important in leadership. Yeah. You take people's different strong suits right. and, mm-hmm. and you build a team out of that. Right. So. Todd actually mentioned that last podcast. Yeah. He said, I have some very 
obvious gaps in my toolbox and if I hired a bunch of Todd's in the, up in my office it would be a dumpster fire. And, and I think that I think there's a lot of truth to that and I, I did hear that I listened to Todd and uh, and again I was shaking my head as I was listening to it because that's true and it's but it's again it's something that runs against counter to what we as humans um, think um, and, and and it's against our natural uh, instincts and all that kind of stuff but but it was a very valuable lesson, and I'm ashamed to say that I was probably 45 before I learned it. But, you know, hopefully you guys will learn it long before that and apply it. It's one thing to learn it. It's another thing to actually put it into applications. That's a question I was going to ask you. Putting that into application, learning that not all of the leaders in your organization have to be like you, was that hard for you, or did it come naturally because you realized the benefits that it would have? I think it, it came – well, it came – I think it came both naturally and hard, actually, and, and I don't know if that makes any sense, but I mean, I was 45. I've been leading since I was 23, so obviously it didn't come quickly, um, but I think it's very natural once, you, once your eyes are open to the reality that if you surround yourself with people who make you stronger because they're strong where you're weak or, and, and you're strong where they're weak, um, and then you slot people into the right roles based on their strengths. Not just, again, that's another thing I did in the last 10 or 15 years of my career is I looked at the strengths of people I had and slotted them into jobs in, in two or three cases, created jobs where they could be a benefit to the organization in order to take advantage of their strengths. And collectively, that all uh, became a, a great success for the Y. And I think that helps people get a lot more fulfillment out of their work when they're using their strengths. They feel like they're a lot more engaged and that they're making a difference and it's from who they are. So do you think you ever faced frustration with certain leaders because they weren't able to use their strengths? Oh, yeah, I think so. Um, a, a more interesting angle on that, honestly, is, uh, again, I can think of a couple of leaders I had where I knew what their strengths were. You can see, I mean, again, part of, uh, part of my minimal giftedness and leadership was that I could I could see where people's strengths were and I could see where they weren't particularly good at and myself included and the other side of that same question Eric is that I had leaders fight me when I said listen here's where your strengths are here's how we're going to take advantage of your strengths here's what we're going to do um, and but they were so used to doing this mm -hmm which they weren't necessarily bad at, but it wasn't their greatest strength, that they fought me on it. And sometimes six months, 12 months, they'd fight me on it. And then they started to have resounding success in this thing, uh, whatever the role was. And a few of them have since said, thank you for doing that. I, well, I appreciate that. it helps them build confidence yes. in their self yes. and in their leadership yes. as well. Yeah, and, and when you're successful at something, you know that you're contributing something to right. an organization, again, or company or whatever. So, Our last and most important question <laughs> for you is our fun question. If you were a crayon, what color would you be and why? Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> um, my obvious answer is I would be black and gold. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I will go with <laughs> I will go with a different answer. I will um, I don't know. I'm going to go with green, and um, it's not for the obvious. I, I worked in a nonprofit, so it's not because of money. So uh, <laughs> put that to rest. Worked in a nonprofit for all those years. 
Uh, I just always like the color. I don't know why I particularly like the color, but to me it's kind of a warm color. Um, color experts might argue with me on that because I'm not sure if green is considered warm or hard, but to me it's always been kind of a warm, earthy kind of color that is natural. And, and, uh, and again, I think that defines who I try to be and, and who I think I am. Uh, yeah. And my core is just is a, uh, you know, kind of a warm-ish, relational, uh, I like to just be who I am. And, and to me, green kind of captures that. I want to thank you for being on our second episode of the Leadership and Business Podcast. Dave, it's great having you. We really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Thank you so much.